Hallelujah. Praise God. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, this morning to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm excited this morning uh, to get to share and minister uh, what the Lord has uh, put on my heart to share. And Lord willing, we're going to begin a brand new series this morning. Uh, that will take us some weeks probably to, uh, to get through to the Lord's uh, satisfaction. You know, you never get done exhausting any one subject in the Bible. But uh, we're going to launch out and begin to talk about a sound mind. A sound mind. That's the title of the series, is A Sound Mind. You know, I, I, am, I am concerned about people's mentality. I'm not making fun. I mean, I am genuinely concerned for people's mental health. And uh, it's, it's one thing for someone who does not know God, who is not alive unto God, who is not born again, to have mental trouble. But it's, it's, it's sad and it's unfortunate when someone who is born again Amen. And does know God and has the covenant, all the tools that God has given us, and yet still struggle in our soul. Now, you know that uh, God made you and I a three part being. He made us spirit, soul, and body. You could read about that. We're not turning there, but you could look it up in 1 Thessalonians 5 23 is uh, my favorite verse about that because right in that one verse, it reveals the three-part makeup of man, spirit, soul, and body. Paul said, I pray that God preserve you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, meaning completely spirit, soul, and body unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Spirit of God inspired him to write that correctly, meaning that he started with the most important part of man's being, the innermost part, and worked himself out to the outside. The world does not recognize that man is a spirit being. Sadly, many Christians don't really recognize man as a spirit being. But you are a spirit being. You are created in the likeness and image of God. God is a spirit. You are a spirit. And you will never die. You will never cease to exist. I didn't say your body in this life would live forever, but you, the real you. See, I can't see the real Caden. The real Caden is looking out at me through windows he calls eyes. That man on the inside, the inward man. Amen. And so we are a spirit. And when we get saved, it's really not our soul that gets saved. It's really not. It's your spirit that becomes recreated. The Holy Spirit doesn't join himself to your soul. He joins himself to your spirit. And you're recreated in spirit. Amen. Then God gave you a soul. You possess a soul. You have a soul. And it is also eternal. It is the part of you that makes you you in the sense of it gives you color. It gives you individuality. It gives you uh, uh, personality. The personality resides in your soul. 
your soul is made up of your mind and your will, where you make decisions, and your emotions. And this is where people are really messed up. We're messed up in our minds. We're messed up in our, we, we make bad decisions because we don't think right. Right? And uh, we are emotional creatures. But the spirit and the soul, your body, if your body drops dead today, your spirit and soul just live on. You just you. And you're not just a better you because you lost your body. You're you. You're going to take you, your spirit, and your mind the way it is right now. If you went to heaven today, that's the way you'd go. You'll take what you know and what you don't know. You'll take your way of thinking right now today into heaven with you if you went to die. And you might have to be assigned to a remedial class. They won't let you wander around heaven free because you don't think right. I don't think right. Not in every area. Well, and then we live in a body. Muscle, bone, right? Really, it's made up, what, nurses, it's what, 90% water and about 10% dirt. Is that right? And so from dust we were made and from dust the body will return. But that's all it is. This is not me. This is not me. The real me is looking out at you. Amen? And so we could deal with the Spirit, but God's uh, directing us in this series to deal with the mind. So look at this uh, scripture. I know you know it, but let's read it as if you did not know it. Okay? And so reading in verse number 7, Paul tells Timothy, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. The, can we get that up in the Amplified Classic on the screen, please? God has not given us the spirit of cowardice. God has not given us, really the Greek word there is timidity. And that's why the Amplified translates it that way. Which timidity is a form of fear. God has not given you or I, as a child of Him, a spirit of fear. Amen. We all deal with fear. Amen. But we're not to yield to fear to any degree. And that means we're not supposed to be timid. That means that it is not in keeping with God's will for us to walk around like this in life about anything, about anyone. Amen. So God did not give us the spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. But what, God, what has God given to us? Power. Power. Woo, power. Power. That's supposed to mark our life. Amen. Power. What else has he given to us? Love. Love. He's given us the spirit of power and of love. Love is our flow. Love is what we do. Every step outside of love for the Christian is a step into sin. I'm going to say that again. Every step out of love is a step into sin. Amen. And it's easy for us to love because God who is love is living on the inside. But what is that third thing that God has given to us? A sound mind. That's what God has authored for us. A sound mind. A mind that is sound. Now, 
if uh, you started to notice at the corner of one of your houses uh, a sinking and a cracking of concrete, a line of bricks that are cracked, is that foundation sound? You would have to say it's, it's unsound. Is it lost? No. Can it be restored? Can it be repaired? They can get in there and drive up, drive piers in there and make that foundation stronger than it ever was. Amen. If our mind is not sound as God would define it, then we're living less than what He's provided for us. God's authored, that's His will for you today, is that your mind be sound. Now, let me say this to you. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind is not your brain. Your brain is an organ that your mind uses. But your mind is part of your soul. And your soul is eternal. I don't know if you can grasp that. But my mind uses my brain. My brain doesn't dictate to my mind. My mind uses my brain. So when I'm talking about your mind, I'm not talking about your brain. If your brain is injured or if the chemistry and the hormones in your brain are out of kilter, you, we're talking about a different issue. That, there you need healing. You need healing. If my liver was messed up, my liver doesn't need mind renewal. It's a physical organ. It would need healing. Your brain is just another organ. It's the computer of your body. Amen? But we're talking about an eternal part of you, a God part of you that is beyond the brain called your mind. And God wants it sound. Amen? Well, put that, if you would, please, that amplified classic version of that scripture back up there. And I love the Amplified from its Greek understanding gives us some description of what a sound mind is. We need to know if we're going to have a sound mind. If a sound mind was automatic being a Christian, then we wouldn't have the craziness that goes on in all of our minds. There's a big, there's a big something we have to do. Amen? And if you want to have it, let me just cut to the chase here a little bit. If you want to have a sound mind... You're going to have to contend for it. You're going to have to fight for it. Because every day of your life, the moment you awake, Satan is going to make an aggressive bid for your mind that day. And we need to make a firm decision. My mind is my mind. And therefore, my mind today will not be the devil's playground. Amen. Your mind must be guarded. Your mind must be defended at all times. And this is, this is why the devil has gotten such success with so many Christians, sincere Christians, born again, alive unto God, have eternity on the inside of them. But they are not progressing in life and many have regressed from where they were because the, they, they are not on the job defending their mind. I don't want to get out ahead of myself. Let's look at these words. 
So I love this. So God has given to us the spirit of power, power and authority, all of that. The spirit of love. Amen. And of a what? Sound mind. Amplified? Calm. Stop. First attribute of a sound mind. What is it? Calm. Calm. Is your mind ever not calm? Don't lie in this place. I mean, my mind. Calm. Calm. Keep your finger here. We're coming back. But go with me to John 14. John 14. Oh, glory. Now, you all believe with me, okay? Because I, I am, and because God is, I am serious about this. We, huh, I, I want to live up to all that God has made available to me. Amen. 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 It's going to take faith for you to receive this. And this isn't just today's message that you got to tolerate. I'm launching a new series. So just get happy. Just get happy. But I, if you'll get a hold, if you'll get a hold and, and leave here between sermons and work on yourself, practice, life will be different for you. Life will be different for you. Well, we're going to read verse 1 and then we're going to read verse 27. John 14 verse 1. Come on, red letters. Our master, our savior, what did he say? Let not your heart be troubled. Now I mean now I know that sounds really good on a postcard, right? On a Hallmark card. Let not your heart be, you know, troubled. But really, the way he really said it is, don't let your heart be troubled, sweetie. It's emphatic. It's an imperative statement. He is not suggesting this. If the, the Cody translation would say, Honey, do not let your heart. Now the word heart can have implications. It can mean spirit and soul, or it could just mean soul. Or it could just mean spirit. You have to look at the context. But I can't be troubled in my spirit. I guess I could have a... a the spirit of God could stir me to be troubled for someone. It's a different sort of flow. But I'm talking about, he's talking about what? He's talking about your mind. Do not let your heart be troubled. It's been many years, but one of the things I loved to do growing up was water ski. Really good on two, not so good on one, but I, I could, I could ski on one. I could slalom. But if you're going to slalom, what you want is calm water. Now, what do I mean by calm water? Smooth. Well, the opposite of calm water would be troubled water. Waves, opposition, right? So he's saying to us, do not let your heart, your mind be troubled. Well, if I'm, if I'm going to obey that, what am I going to be then? Calm. Calm. A lot of people's lives are marked by drama. That's not God's flow. Now, 
you can't, you can't make uh, people around you not be dramatic. And some people out there, they're out of their minds. Some of them are full of demons, full in, controlled by demons. And we got to live in this world. But that's their thing. That's not our flow. And if you are letting someone else, you cannot, in the light of these scriptures we're going to go through today, you're going to see, if I'm troubled, I can't blame it on the other one. It's how I'm reacting to that thing. Jesus would not put something on us that we could not fulfill. So, Brother Tony, if he says, son, don't let your heart be troubled, don't let your mind be troubled, then he knows you can do it. Well, what about all the stuff we could all bring up? What they did and what that did in this circumstance. Jesus faced all kinds of circumstances. The Bible says one time that he was preaching and he preached in Nazareth and he preached a message. They were so excited about it. They gathered at the cliff to throw him off. That's how excited they were about his sermon. And if you read that passage, it's just amazing. You just read over it. It's, you just read over it. And it says that they were so incensed with anger and rage that they went to take him, to throw him off the brow of the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went his way. Surrounded by hatred, surrounded by trouble and drama, passed right through it. You see, the power of God is going to flow to defend your life when you stay in the right flow yourself. If you step out of peace, calm mind would be peaceful. Isn't that right? What did he author for us? A sound mind. The first word we're seeing about a sound mind is it's calm. And that means it's peaceful. If we leave peace... We're going to hinder his ability for the power to flow to protect us, deliver us. He did not enter in. He didn't, he didn't uh, match rage with rage. He didn't stoop down to their level. He stayed in peace. And I don't know if an angel showed up and said, I don't think so. And all these people backed off. Or if he just came, became kind of transparent. That's kind of, I kind of picture this. He's so greased up with the power of God and the anointing, they're trying to grab him, but they just can't get And he just walks right out. And so much of the most intense circumstances you'll ever face in your life, God intends for you to just walk right through that. But we, and we don't get there overnight. I am not where I want to be. I'm not. I went to Wayne City, and for three or four days, four services, I, I preached pretty much on rejoicing. No matter what it looks like. No matter what you feel like. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I preached really good. I mean, you should watch them. I mean, I would preach really good. Then just a couple days later, I get home, and my upstairs ceiling falls through with water damage on the 4th of July. I got a 4 by 6, I got a 6 by 8 foot hole in my in-face ceiling in the bedroom. All that heat pouring in. Well, I, I... I'm getting a really good opportunity to practice what I preach. 
and I failed the test. Because my family's there to testify that I did not rejoice. I was mad. I was frustrated. I was biting my tongue. I was doing everything I could not to have the wrong word come out. Listen, I'm not preaching this to you as if it's just easy, easy. But I'm telling you, we've got to contend for what God has made available. Amen? Praise God. Now, I'm a lot better than I used to be. Used to be, I'd have had more holes in my sheetrock. They would have been man-made. So I'm improving. Don't judge me. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me. Or you can say, believe the word. Look at verse 27 of that same chapter. Peace. I'm going to translate it. Calm. Calm. I leave with you. You know, if you step out of peace and you engage with people in their drama, you're not going to be able to hear from God. If you just get all out of your mind, you're, you're going to be so clouded with emotion and anger and feeling and thoughts of every kind. It'll be very difficult. God's speaking, but you won't hear Him. God speaks and moves in peace. Nothing is worth you leaving peace over. People want to fight. I'm not going to fight. I'll fight, but I'm going to fight in the Spirit. I'm going to fight on my knees. I'm going to fight in the throne room. But I'm not fighting you. I'm not fighting my spouse. Not. My staff, zero tolerance for strife. Can't can't have it. We've got to hear from God. God moves in peace. What did Jesus leave us? Peace. Peace I leave with you. What kind of peace? Come on. My very own peace I give to you. The kind of peace that enabled him to walk through mobs and riots. Untouched and unharmed. He, He went to heaven. Jesus went to heaven. But he left us his peace. So what does he say at the end of the verse? Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it. What's that tell me? It's going to want to. It's going to want to. It's going to want to be troubled. Don't let it. Now you're saying, Pastor, how? Well, we're going to dig into it. We're going to, we, that, that's why we're here. But go back to 2 Timothy. I don't know how far we'll get today. We've got cake to eat. 2 Timothy. Hallelujah. Oh, but I want to walk in more of this. What is the next word in the Amplified? So he said, a sound mind is a calm mind. Well balanced. Now, rhetorical question, please don't answer out loud. Grade your mind. Is it well balanced? 
I hear words, I'm not making fun. Bipolar depression. People have dealt with that. Someone told me they've dealt with that all their life. Bipolar depression. Do you all know what that means, what they mean by that? Extremes. I am up, I'm on top of the world. I am the champion of all I survey. And in five minutes, I want to kill myself. Nothing's good. Life is miserable. Manic. Swings. Is that well balanced? Then is this what, is this of God? He didn't give you that. And he's made something of that more, he's made a well balanced. One of the greatest things God's ever done in my life is even me out. Just evened out. Now I rejoice. And, and I'm happy, and I can, get, I can get exuberant. But it's not these out-of-control highs. And I understand when things are good and I'm high, it won't always be that way. I'll have another battle to fight. At the same time, I don't swing to suicide like I used to. I don't, I don't get low anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't get low. He's evened me out. For the most part. Right? Do you want this? Believe it. You've got to contend for it. You've got to believe God for it. Now the world, all they know to do, guys, is throw drugs at it. To numb you. You know, I'm not an expert in it. And I'm not against it. I'm kind of against it. But I understand. Get help. But I don't, want an art, I don't want to live my life on an artificial numbness that keeps me from experiencing. When God has made it available to, for me, I can have a well-balanced mind. All we're doing right now is looking at the standard. We're looking at what He made available. What, is it, what does it go on and say? Just keep that, that up there if you don't mind. Yeah, so a well-balanced mind and discipline. Discipline. You cannot have a sound mind. You can't have this if you're undisciplined. The last two words here are discipline and self-control. Discipline and self-control. Discipline and self-control. Everyone say it. Discipline and self-control. There is no sound mind to be had apart from discipline. Self-control. What do I mean? What's on your mind? Facebook asks me every day. Facebook asks me every time I open the app. What's on your... It is a profound question. What's on your mind. The sad part of that whole Facebook thing is that people actually tell you. That's what's sad. People are actually honest and tell you on a worldwide platform the crap that is on their mind. 
Now we're laughing, but I want to say something serious. We are Christians. Whether you're having a good day or a bad day, you're a Christian and you represent. And we ought to not be testifying of our insanity and our instability, our depression, and our trial on Facebook. I'm not making fun. What kind of, what, why do we do it? Are we looking for sympathy? Are we wanting comments? Oh, my honey, this or that. Well, you'll get that and that'll be your reward. But it won't help you. It won't help you. And you hurt your faith. And you, you tear down your Christian witness in the eyes of the world. Because the unbeliever is watching you. Why do they want, why would they want your Jesus when they see what's on your mind on Facebook? I'm, I am serious about, we are injuring people from coming to Jesus when we air our stuff on social media. It's one thing if you want to say what's on your mind and I'm having a great glorious day. The sky is blue. The grass is green. Have a good day, everybody. Fine. Wonderful. Right? But if it's negative and doubt-filled and unbelieving and you need help, go get help, real help. Talk to your pastor. Get in the Word. Spend time with God. But my God, stop being a bad advertisement for Christianity We want people to come to the Lord. We want them actually to come to church. And if you're publicly out of your mind, that's not helping. It may be true. It may be real. It may be sincere. God bless you. I'm not making fun. But don't be selfish. Little quick jolt of emotionalism, good feedback. on. Come on. That's not worth keeping someone away from God because they're looking at your life. They know you're a Christian and you're just barely holding on. Our answer is in the word, not in likes. Our answer is in the word, not in trending on TikTok. Preaching good. Who wants to have what God purposed. The spirit of power, the spirit of love and a sound mind. Well, you've got to be disciplined. Go to Ephesians 4. We need help. Now we could probably all every day, part of the day, have a troubled mind. All you have to do to be mentally unstable and unhealthy is nothing. (laughs) Have you all ever, now I know it's it's a difficult year gardening wise here because of the extreme heat, drought and rain and all that. But have you guys ever seen driven by a well-kept garden? What does that look like? Clean, neat, no weeds, it's kept. Have you ever driven by one that had been 
neglected. What's it look like? Overgrown, sad plants. The weeds are the only thing thriving and happy. Listen, if you don't get up every day and guard and defend your mind, your mind looks like an unkept garden. That's all you have to do. To have your garden look like a mess. Your mind is nothing. There's nothing. But if you want what I'm talking about, what God's, you're going to have to fight for it. You could, be, you could have a tragedy. You could be sad. I think about Dr. Jacobs, his wife, 46 years, went to heaven. And that's sad for him. It's sad for anyone who's had a loved one go on to be with the Lord. A child, a brother, a sister, like my mom. or uh, You know, if, if Amber were to take off, I would be sad. But we do not have to be overcome with grief and sorrow. And some people, I've watched them, they were pillars in the church before. And they are not. Their spouse went to heaven and they never recovered. I'm not making fun. But the reason it's like that is because they're not guarding their mind. They're not defending their mind. They're wallowing in thoughts of grief and sorrow. You cannot be... You cannot have joy and meditate in sorrow. You cannot. You cannot. Maybe the second year after I began pastoring here, we had a precious lady. Let's call her Joe. Beulah. Let's call her Beulah. She's so precious. She's in her mid-70s when she got to me. And she's constantly in my office. Either appointments or just showing up. Distraught, out of it, no peace, troubled, tormented, all her life, every day. And I spent hours and hours and hours, and happy to do it, hour after hour, giving her the word, encouraging her, um, helping her walk through things. And she got no better. None. Finally, I mean, I'm sorry. I just started getting frustrated. You know, if you come to me for counsel, I'm going to give you the word. And if you don't take the word, I cannot help you. I have no magic wand to make things right for you. The word is enough. Finally, the Lord helped me say something to her. Now, what had happened to Beulah was that when she was about 9 or 10 Till when she was about 16 or 17, she was daily and repeatedly sexually abused by a family member. Now, you could understand, you wouldn't make fun, but she's 73 now, let's say. And she's living in that trauma. She's living in that moment decades later. And I want to help her. The Lord helped me say to her, Beulah, when you get up, I want you to give me an answer in terms of a percentage. How much of your day, your waking hours, in terms of a percentage, do you spend thinking about that? And she said, oh, Pastor, easy, easy 80%, easy of my day. I spend thinking about that. And I just pushed myself back from the desk, and I said, you're beyond help. Jesus of Nazareth in this office could not help you. If you're going to choose to think about that all day long, 
There is no deliverance. There is no peace. There is no joy. What, what is necessary for her? It's, it's very simple. It's not psychoanalytic, but it's very scriptural and very powerful. Stop thinking about it. Now, there are some things you need to do. Have you forgiven? You have got to forgive or you're going to be tormented. Have whatever, you need to forgive and you need to let the Holy Ghost help you and all that. I'm not saying repress, but I'm saying in your mind. There's no freedom. If you're going to just choose to think troubling, negative, doubt-filled, depressing thoughts all day, don't wonder to me or yourself or anybody why you are feeling depressed. Emotions follow thoughts. Emotions are produced by thoughts. If you're a spouse and you come to me and say, I don't love my spouse anymore, I will tell you why. Because you think negative about them all the time. And you could fall madly in love with them again in a matter of days if you would stir up right thoughts. Now I saved you prescriptions, medication, side effects. You could go the world's way or you could stand at the gate of your mind and say, no. I have you in Ephesians, right? We don't have time for Ephesians today. Sorry. We, we, we do have time for Romans. Because I can, I can say something to you in just a, just a second. We can, we can be done. We're not done. We'll just have to stop, right? Amen. Romans 8. So we're going to be talking about this, everyone. Now, I don't know what your deal is. We all have deals. Right? Some of us, our minds are saturated with lust. You can be free of that. But you have to change the way you think. Some of you, you don't like yourself. You can change that. But you've got to change the way you think. Amen. Some of you have, have strongholds of thought of being negative. You don't mean to, but that's, you, have, you have programmed your mind. And you're turned negative. But you can change that. I don't care what your deal is. It can be fixed. It can be turned. It can be changed. And you can experience levels of freedom you've been longing for, dreaming about, wondered if it was even available. But you've got to have the tools. You've got to have the tools. We're going to be in Romans 8. And we're going to close. But in Luke 21, Jesus said, Brethren, possess ye your soul. Possess your soul. In other words, what's he saying? Possess your mind. Harness it. Grab hold of it. Be in charge of it, honey. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 6. Y'all getting anything out of this? Somebody encourage me. You getting any help? All right. Glory, glory. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse number 4. No, verse number 5. You ready? For they that are after the flesh. So what makes a flesh-dominated person? What's the next word? They do mind. They mind the things of the flesh. Now, 
The King James says, they, they do mind, do mind. That's a verb, do mind. How do, you, how do you mind? What does he mean? It, it, the Greek literally means to steer or set a direction and strive after it. So people who mind the flesh, they have a fleshly mind. They are dominated by the flesh. They are that way because they have uh, steered and directed their mind and they are striving after fleshly thought. And the devil can plant a thought. Sick thoughts. Unscriptural thoughts. I mean, there's so many sincere, I mean, so sweet, so sincere. Again, please understand my heart. I am not making fun. But someone who's living in a homosexual lifestyle, they, they're thinking a certain way. But all I would ask you is, are you willing, would you be willing to examine your thoughts about that and measure it in line with the Word? Because you might think this is acceptable and right. But it doesn't match the word. And you can't twist the scripture. You can't act like Romans 1 and number 2 is not there. And all of this entrenchment, this is who I am, hasn't it become entrenched because of the way you thought? And I mean, the devil can put us on a trail. And if we don't know what's happening, we can end up way, way, way out in left field from the will of God for our life and think we are on course, but our mind is not sound. But notice the one who minds the flesh, it's purposeful. They are steering. The Greek word says they have directed their mind to the natural. And they are striving in that direction. Now, this verse is a contrast, right? We're not done reading the verse. So it says, but they that are after the Spirit. Now, this is where we want to be, right? I want to be after the Spirit. Well, a person that is really after the Spirit... What makes them that way? It's in the verse. They mind the things of the Spirit. It's the same Greek word. They have set, steered, and directed their mind and are striving to think spiritual thoughts. And it's purposeful. You do it on purpose. Are you with me? So you have to, whether let's say it's healing, you have to, you can, the doctor said something and the mind just wants to go there and marinate in that and live in that mental realm. Your mind in the thing of the flesh. But you could just, okay, thank you doc, you're doing the best you can. And then set, steer, direct, and strive your mind toward the Word. By His stripes I'm healed. Amen. 
you'll have all kinds, you'll have different mental health. I said, you'll have different mental health. Because everything about the word is in your favor. Everything about the word is for you. Everything about the word is pointing you to victory. Promotion, elevation, success, breakthrough, health, victory, peace, joy, prosperity. But I don't have it. You don't have it because you don't think that direction. And again, this is all of us if we do nothing. I'm trying to close here, I promise you, but this this victory is going to cost you. It's going to cost you. You could do nothing and lose your mind in these last days. Or you could put in the work. I mean the day, today, the day, the day, the day, the day work. Of standing at the gate of your mind. And answering in a biblical way Facebook's question. What is on your mind? Last verse. Right here in Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 6. Mark this scripture. This is your homework for the week. Verse 5, verse 6. Look at verse 6. For to be carnally minded. What is it? Is what? Death. Now, the word is, in terms of mathematics, is what? Is equals. So you could, above or over is, carnally minded equals death. Death. If you think lack, you think broke, you think I never get ahead, then that's going to produce death in your finances. If you think down on yourself, I'm nothing, I'm no good, I've always been this way, I'm just trash, I'm, I'm on the junk heap of life, uh, and you just stay in that mode, that will produce death to your emotions. Amen. Amen. What are you doing with your imagination? None of us can see it. What are you doing with your imagination? Okay, go home and think about that, see law, but... All right, Let's, that's the negative side. You, all of us, in any given moment, we could be carnally minded. But we know God's fair. God's fair. If you choose to be fleshly minded, what will you get? Death. See, God's fair. We all know it now. And then what does it say? Latter part of verse 6. But to be spiritually minded. Equals life and peace. Life and peace is connected to what? What you think? What's on your mind? What's on your mind? It's a great question. What is on your mind? Is it the word? Is it what God says about you? Is it the promises of God? Is it your dream? Or is it Something else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does it sound like having life and peace is a choice? Mm -hmm. Pastor, you don't know what happened to me. I don't. You don't know what happened to me. But I'm stable. Mentally. I take no credit for it. I'm stable mentally. And it's the word that's done it. 
and a whole lot of hard work. I said a whole lot of hard work. You say, well, I'm not into the hard work. That's your choice. But a prayer line and a ding on the head with the anointing will not fix an unkept, unguarded, undisciplined mind. Maybe the hardest thing. You could zip it up. I'm done. But maybe the hardest thing. I don't know. God's instructed me to do some hard things, I think. Maybe the hardest thing he ever told me to do. He's trying to help me. I was totally obsessed over this little girl that broke up with me. Sad deal. (laughs) High school broke up with me. But to me, you know, it can be a small thing, but to you, it's the world. It's everything. And I spent about almost two years obsessing every thought. Why? When? Oh, hmm. That's how I got suicidal. That's how I got there. I didn't know all this stuff. But anyway, God was in my life at this point, and he said this to me one day. He said, son, I forbid you to think her name. (laughs) You may laugh, and I know in anyone else's brain, maybe it's stupid as all get out. But that, to me, that was like taking an heroin addict and saying, cold turkey, no more. I didn't know what 10 seconds looked like where that girl's name wasn't in the forefront of my mind. It's like, okay. And he gave me a scripture. He gave me Proverbs 10, 7. We're not going there. The memory of the just is blessed. And I forbid you. So, I, Sarah, I had to fight. I, I had to fight for one minute. No, 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 la, 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 no, 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 no. For one minute of freedom from that thought. Long story short, you'd get to 15 minutes, but I had to fight for that. Longer story shorter, I, I, I got... I, eventually I got to about two weeks and I noticed I noticed you know the grass is green I had forgotten the sky is blue and I began to have this little ray of a thought that I might be able to have a life still Last of the story, six months goes by. Mm-hmm. By that time, I'd met her. I'm, I'd moved home, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm doing what I do every day of my life. I'm squeezing gel, gel into my hand to put in my hair. <laughs> and if my memory serves me right, we're about to go on our third date. And I'm putting gel in the hair, and I get a knock on the door. Mm-hmm. So I go and answer the door. 
and it's this girl's mom. And they had come thinking I hadn't moved home, college kid. They had come, her and her mom, to tell my mom, because she didn't want to get out, because our families were close, that she was engaged to be married. <laughs> Y'all don't feel for me? She was shocked. The, the girl's in the car. She's like, you go make sure the coast is clear. Well, sure enough, it wasn't. I answered the door. <laughs> Before I know, she tells me why she, and I said, she's here? In the car? Before I, I'm unconscious. Before I know it, I am over there. I reach around, open the door, and I pull her up out of there. And I looked at her ring on her finger, and I smiled and congratulated her with a sincere heart. And I hugged her neck, and I put her in the car, and they went on their way, and I haven't seen her since. I went back the hundred feet, into the front door, big front door, solid, heavy door, thud, pulled that behind me, and I walked in the foyer, and I had this moment. And I, looked, I stopped, and I said, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. And went on and had a date. Married the girl. Got a hundredfold return on the girl. I spent eight minutes to tell you that. Listen, that's my deal. That was my deal. To have freedom, Carrie, I had to fight for it. Maybe somebody's praying for me. I appreciate that. But there was no freedom to be had for me as long as I was going to think the way I was thinking. And my mom broke her heart to watch me day after day sit in the dark in my room, pathetic, my whole life ahead of me, and cry all day long. Stupid. But the devil's mean. And if you'll take some silly thought and run with it, he'll drive you all the way to suicide. My mom couldn't help me. If I had a pastor, all he could have done, I wish I'd have had one, he could have given me the word. But I had God, and he taught me. Do you get anything? You need to leave here today and not think about some stuff. And evaluate every thought, every thought, in light of the word. Yes, that's good. Yeah. Amen. 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 Only word thoughts are acceptable. Amen. Stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God.